Hello, I am Howard Franks and I am here interviewing Dr. Gerald Iwan, who is the director of the National Environmental Service Center at NRCC, which is located on Evansdale campus at West Virginia University. Hello, Dr. Iwan, how are you doing this morning? Good morning, Howard. And uh, as you indicated, I'm the director of the National Environmental Services Center, which is a uh, entity that's within the NRCCE that was created about 35 years ago to provide drinking water and wastewater information to small communities. And those are mostly rural communities, and also we refer to those communities as economically disadvantaged. So we provide information, technical assistance, and materials, educational materials, to the people in those communities to help them with their drinking water and wastewater problems. Okay. Um, the first question that I have starting out is, um, which departments or individuals, since you're a research center um, on campus, which departments do you interact with or work with the most internally here at West Virginia University? Well, we've reached out to the, the ag folks, Extension. We've worked with folks in forestry. We've worked with folks in uh, community design, the business school, and the engineering department. Those are the people that seem to have the most interest in the type of work we do. We, we border on the environmental, but we take into account, of course, the technology involved with drinking water and wastewater. Okay. Uh, what challenges do you encounter internally here at, the, uh, at West Virginia University? Internally, it's because it's an academic institution, everyone is focused on their own particular uh, discipline. So when you're dealing with academics, of course, they're also constrained by their calendar. So it's very difficult to bring in a new concept or a new project to academicians that already have their plate pretty full between teaching and doing research. So the challenge is one of time and uh, time, interest, and of course, uh, finance. What organizations or uh, groups uh, do you work with externally from West Virginia University? Well, externally we partner with just about every drinking water and wastewater group in, in the United States. Of course, the EPA, the USDA, the two high federal agencies. We're also involved with the Department of Homeland Security and FEMA because security is critical to water and wastewater. It's one of our infrastructures in the United States. And we also partner and uh, have worked closely with associations such as the Association of State Drinking Water Administrators, the American Water Works Association, the uh, National Association of uh, uh, the National Waste uh, Water Recycling, Recycling Association, uh, the Association of Clean Water Administrators, and on and on and on. Uh, and in the health arena, of course, we work with the National Environmental Health Directors Association, NEHA. Okay. Um, similar question that I ask you about internally at WVU. What, challenge, what challenges do you face whenever you're working with the external groups that are outside of West Virginia University? Tremendous amount of competition for resources over projects is, is the biggest challenge. Um, most of the groups are dependent on federal funding. Because of the objectivity that we try to maintain, close affiliation with private sector is, uh, 
usually not an option if we want to maintain our objective credibility, which is one of the problems in working in a, uh, a grant-based arena. Uh, there, the constant tension between the private and public sector, uh, both sectors really not trusting each other and uh, trying to maintain a balance uh, and also uh, draw in funding at the same time. So that, that is our biggest problem is the competition for a limited amount of funds. I think the grant structure that the federal government uses leads to a tremendous amount of distancing between associations. Although it's supposed to promote partnering, it's very, very difficult to do that. Okay. Um, how would you describe the internal culture that exists in, at Nessie and just overall around the WVU campus um, since you interact with different groups around campus? Well, I think Nessie is, is not your typical uh, academic group. Uh, Nessie is, of course, uh, mostly uh, uh, supported by state-supported employees, uh, the state employees. They uh, do not have uh, particular academic responsibilities. So they're more of a service group. Uh, they provide uh, uh, input and service to the different disciplines, as I said, uh, brainstorming and possible partnering. Right now we're looking at a partnership with, uh, with uh, one of the uh, professors over in uh, forestry in regard to a Kazakhstan project. So there, there, is, uh, there is that bridging, but uh, we are not academicians. We have a different type of culture, a service-oriented culture. Uh, production-oriented culture, so that's a difference, but it's not that it's incompatible with working with the academics, but, okay. but Nessie uh, is, is not your typical group here. It is a center. Okay. Um, how is the culture with any of the external groups that you work with? Uh, maybe say, uh, we'll just pick uh, the EPA since you, <laughs> since you uh, brought them up earlier. Working with agencies, uh, depending on the agencies, is they're more or less bureaucratic. EPA is probably one of the most highly bureaucratic of all the federal agencies. Uh, many people have suggested it's kind of lost its mission. It's tied up with a lot of leg uh, legalities, uh, uh, pro forma um, policies and procedures, and it, and it kind of detracts from its initial mission of protecting the environment. It's, it's a very difficult agency to work with. They've also been extremely limited in their funding lately. Uh, they have been uh, um, critically reviewed by Congress, and uh, for the last couple of years, funding coming out of EPA for the type of work that we do has been non-existent. Um, USDA has a different culture. USDA is much more accommodating, much more um, uh, transparent, we'll put it that way. Uh, less bureaucratic, but uh, the bureaucracy is catching up with them also. Uh, Homeland Security is a very insular type of a group, uh, very difficult to work with in regard to promoting ideas. If the ideas uh, don't fall within their narrow scope, uh, they usually will not entertain them. So you have to deal with the cultures of the different agencies and the culture of the federal government. And a lot of that is led by the lawyers, uh, legality, necessary or arguably not um, has led to a lot of the procedures that the federal agencies use and that makes applying for grants uh, conducting grants and doing the 
ancillary requirements of the grant. It's very difficult. Okay. Uh, other groups um, that we work with, external, uh, that are non-governmental agencies, uh, state agencies, of course, they have their own policies and procedures, and they are usually uh, not fully staffed and funded. They're, it's very difficult to get a contract to work with them and have them uh, be able to provide the funding in any reasonable period of time because of the constraints that they have in processing due to lack of staff, usually and also the fact that their funding has been cut by the federal government. Um, other groups, associations, as I've mentioned before, a tremendous competition for funding. Some are very willing to partner, but usually they're looking to someone to bring in the funding and then they'll be happy to partner. Very difficult to get them to actively partner in the creation of grants because they're busy also. So you're dealing with a, a mixed bag out there, but uh, there are a lot of uh, logistical difficulties in working with the groups. Um, every group, of course, wants to preserve their own territory, their own, uh, their own uh, staff, and they're very interested in minimizing uh, grant sharing with other groups. But uh, it's just a challenge that you have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think you answered somewhat my next question about the differences between the internal and external culture. but. Um, one question I have is, um, which culture do you think leads to um, the greater productivity, or which one operates the smoothest? Well, it depends on what you mean by productivity. Okay. If you're talking about innovative ideas, the academic culture certainly uh, is head and shoulders over um, the, uh, the governmental culture, which usually asks for ideas but has a... Um, preconceived notion of where those ideas are supposed to fall. And the grants are structured exactly that way, too. If you look at some of the um, requests for proposals, particularly those that come from the US EPA, there's very, very little latitude for um, innovative thinking. So um, the uh, academic culture, the freedom that it has in exploring things and looking at new venues uh, is probably the preferred culture to get Results. We'll put it that way. Um, the um, governmental structure is probably a good structure to get a product done. So you know, depending on what you mean by production, production, productivity, um, it's uh, each each uh, each arena has its own pluses and its own minuses. Okay. Um, next question is about core values, and we'll, we'll focus on um, if you want to discuss the core values of Nessie or if you want to discuss your personal core values. Well, I think when you work in, in the scientific arena, your core values have to, you have to be, you have to have integrity. You have to be transparent. You have to be honest. And, um, you have to obviously have a dedication to the field that you're working in. Sometimes that, those values, uh, and, and those values I think uh, are very um, evident in, in uh, NRCCE and NESI. Uh, the people that I have the privilege of having work with me in NESI are all very, very principled individuals and do not look to compromise their values by um, promoting one side or another on a 
technical argument unless, of course, the, it's evidence-based. Uh, so um, I'm happy to work with them. I'm also happy to see that type of integrity within uh, NRCCE. I see that integrity within uh, many of the different departments within the university. Uh, like all other large bureaucracies, I don't necessarily see that at the highest levels of the administration where it becomes political. Um, I think some of the goals and values that uh, uh, are necessary for an academic institution are diluted by the, the tremendous focus on sports that many of the large universities have, have been um, incorporating within their, within their budgets. Um, uh, I think that's, that's led to a number of issues. I do see also some very old and archaic management styles that uh, um, are allowed to exist in the academic institutions that do not exist, at least openly, in the public sector. There is a lot of internal um, uh, management styles that are, say, less than appropriate. There is still discrimination. There is uh, favoritism, nepotism, so on that goes on in an academic institution uh, under the guise of freedom, uh, academic freedom. And those things uh, just really don't have any place if we want to move forward. So um, although, the although there's a lot of positives, there's, there's some issues that do go on here too. So those values that I mentioned, I think, are embodied in, in our workplace. I think the government, uh, although it contends to have those values, it does so within the confines of what is legally defined as those values. And I think, it's, uh, I think there's a lot of impersonalness um, and dehumanization when you're working with the public sector that is being prescribed by the legal framework that they have to work under, which I think is uh, detracts from the value of uh, producing uh, valuable research, valuable products. Okay. Um, internally at Nessie, what areas do you focus on most? And what I mean by that is um, we'll still look at core values. Um, what do you think is one of the most important core values that you focus on the most? Uh, communication between staff is very, very important. Teamwork. We have to work as a team. We, Nessie's history was that they were a very large group. Each group um, had its own responsibilities and it became very, very stovepiped in many respects with a lot of uh, problems with communication. Uh, and uh, a lot of uh, guarding of territory. The group has been uh, reduced in size due to the economic downturn and some of the issues I mentioned with the lack of grant funding, federal funding. And because of that, we have a small group of nine people and we have to be able to work together. We have to support each other. We have to um, help each other in, various, in our various roles. And without that, uh, we won't be able to survive. So I promote clear communication teamwork, positive work environment, and open and free discussion of uh, topics and issues that are in the workplace. 
Um, one of the problems that we do encounter is that, again, I mentioned from any large bureaucracy, often communication goes up, but very little communication comes down. And that's a classical problem with most large organizations that we still haven't been able to conquer here in, in the U.S. Okay. Um, now we'll focus on the external. Um, you know, what values do you think are focused on, um, we'll say, we'll use the USDA as an example, since you said they are a little bit more transparent compared to, say, the EPA. Yeah, I think, I think the government still requires more transparency. They still require, um, they, still, they still need to have more open and frank discussion about issues. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, legitimate questions can be asked of federal agencies concerning projects or future projects, but for political reasons, the agencies may choose not to answer. And they don't even acknowledge the question. So with, with the legal constraints and the political mandates that many of the federal agencies have, uh, politeness, courtesies, and just the niceties uh, that make working pleasurable go out the window. Uh, and uh, that's, that's negative values in that respect. Um, they're ethical. I will have to say that uh, on the surface, uh, ethical behavior is, is prized, as is ours and our internal workings. So those are positive things. You want ethical behavior. Um, you want uh, partnership uh, opportunities, which uh, external groups uh, value. Um, communication uh, is good, but could be improved. Uh, a lot of times, as I said, even with external groups outside the federal agency, sometimes the communication is uh, uh, less than complete because of guarding of territories and concern for sharing of grants. As I said, the competition for grants um, often does not lead to a good environment for full partnering among the individuals. I'll give you an example. The National Rural Water Association, which is another association that is very large in the United States, has always used Nessie services and complement us all the time. But they have always declined to partner with us going forward for grants because they believe they are entitled to full funding in certain areas. And to do that, they also use lobbying. It's something we do not use at Nessie. Um, there's been, it's been a very controversial issue from a leadership standpoint, whether it's ethical to lobby from a, on a university standpoint. However, all of our competitors lobby. And because of that, uh, I believe we do not get full attention to our uh, proposals that go out. So that's a little perspective on the values that I see in the, in the external sector. Okay. Um, some more of a general, and we're shifting from uh, you know, values to uh, leadership. Mm -hmm. And um, how would you define leadership in your own words? I think leadership is the ability to define a job or goal and get it done 
giving maximum independence to the staff that has to conduct the work. And it involves cultivating that culture of mutual trust and support between the leader and the, uh, this, the leader's followers or staff. Do you have any examples of, um, you know, at NASI or just NRCC that, um, of a leadership? Well, I think I think NRCCE uh, has an interesting leadership style. Uh, NRCCE has uh, has uh, attracted talented individuals and allowed those individuals to investigate certain areas, to come up with their own programs and products, so to speak, and allow them to go for them, and uh, and supports their efforts. Um, I think that that is a, a very good example of leadership, as as opposed to coming in with a uh, preconceived notion of the orders of the universe and then directing competent individuals and trained, experienced individuals that they uh, have to work in a prescriptive way. And we try to emulate that within uh, NASI also. Okay. Um, what leadership style do you utilize? Um, and do you use different styles whenever you're dealing with somebody externally or you know in your internally in your own group? I'm inclusive. Um, I uh, I would also say that I'm uh, uh, supportive. I set set um, limits clear, concise communication and setting limits. I have expectations and I require accountability. Uh, and I believe all these things if done properly and professionally and with an uh, eye towards uh, um, humanity leads to a positive work environment. you led right into my next question because it is concerning accountability um, and uh, my question is what specific process is used in your division to monitor accountability we <coughs> when we approach a job or a task we assign individuals or we work with individuals to self-assign responsibilities for components of that task and we expect all the parts to come together by the appropriate deadline. I've been here four and a half years. We have not missed one deadline since I've been here. And I'm happy to say that I have not had to um, console or discipline anyone in that regard. It often takes a lot of reminders and constant communication, but uh, I do believe that that's that's the best way to go about approaching that. Okay. Um, do you see any differences between the internal and external accountabilities? Um, 
Yes. I don't believe our federal agencies have any accountability to anyone. If it is, it's a political accountability. It's all internal. It's not external to their clients. And that, that I feel, is, is inappropriate. For example, not returning phone calls, not responding to correspondence, um, not, uh, for example, vetting grants out and then not awarding the grant contracts and so on without any um, acknowledgement, I think, shows that there is, uh, uh, internally, there is a belief that there is very little public accountability um, unless it comes in through political channels. Uh, so I think it's led to a, a lack of professionalism in many of the federal agencies also. Um, is, which I think is inappropriate and a shame. Um, so I do see that with some of the federal agencies that there is a lack of accountability. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily see uh, a problem with accountability within within WVU or within NSE. I think that we all, uh, at least the people I work with, are all seasoned professionals. We are self-accountable. We know what we have to do. Okay. Um, what do you expect successful unit leaders' qualities to be? They have, again, I mentioned some of the um, items that I feel are important to the operation of any unit, and that's you have to have integrity. You have to, you have to be communicative. You have to earn the respect of the people who work for you. You have to be understanding of their personal lives and the constraints that they're faced with. And you have to be able to be flexible in uh, defining tasks with your staff uh, in, a, in an inclusive manner, as I said. And uh, you have to uh, you have to keep strategizing for the, uh, it almost has to be instinctive. Um, each day brings on a new set of challenges and you have to be able to confront those challenges openly and transparently and communicate the issues and maintain your team around you. Mm -hmm. um, since we're discussing, uh, we shifted back to the leader leadership portion. Um, is there a specific leader either internally or externally that you have used as a benchmark, you know, to build your um, leadership style? <laughs> Over the years, I think I've used more of the leaders I don't want to be. Um, I think instinctively there are, have been a number of people I've worked for that I did like their leadership style. Um, actually, when we uh, uh, when I taught a uh, public health course on uh, public health practice, one of the areas is leadership. And uh, I would say that uh, it could be a number of individuals that I've encountered um, throughout my, my career. Um, there was a commissioner in the Department of Environmental Protection in New York City that was open, transparent, honest, and accommodating, and uh, they, uh, uh, they dismissed him. <laughs> because he was too uh, publicly oriented and uh, 
New York City has a, had a culture, as many other large organizations had, of being secretive and non-communicative. Uh, I learned from him. He was a very, uh, very good and young commissioner, and uh, they used the drought to uh, blame him for nature's drought and uh, <laughs> remove him from office. So I, I did appreciate him. Um, there was a commissioner in the Department of um, Public Health in Connecticut who chastised the public health directors for being uh, being too. Um, too authoritarian and not allowing their workers to grow and develop as people and as professionals. And he also uh, he also criticized many of the bureau chiefs for the same type of authoritarian practice. Mm -hmm. And uh, he lost his position also um, because of uh, because he was open, accommodating, and he wanted to be an agent of change. I think maybe to sum it up, those people who I've seen as positive agents of change have helped me mold uh, my leadership style and my career. Uh, we'll just be a couple more memos. And I'd say that Dr. Uh, Bajura also um, uses a bit of that leadership, leadership by example. Um, uh, he takes on many, many projects, but he, uh, he does keep his, he does keep his uh, finger on the pulse of what's going on. And uh, there is a a good mutual respect that he develops with his uh, with his directors. Okay. Well, a couple rapid fire fire questions, and then okay. uh, we'll, we will move. <laughs> we'll wrap this up. Um, uh, in about ten words, how do you move from one task to another? Um, since you have so many different things that you work you work on. You have to have a holistic view of how each of the tasks fits in with your vision of, say, the universe. So you're really not moving from task to task. You're refining your entire approach. Okay. Um, how do you feel that your, your scope of power is, say, internally? Um, do you feel empowered? you are able to make, we'll use the agent of change, that you're able to make changes, say at WVU, and then also on the flip side of how do, how do you think you're, you know, how much change or power do you have externally? Within my own unit, because of the, the culture that I've established, I believe I have more than enough authority as a director to help work with people and getting the job done and helping them in their own um, in their own growth. Um, externally, uh, it's interesting, um, when I came to WVU, I commented to Dr. Bajura and some of the other directors that WVU was probably about five years behind the state of Connecticut in the administrative uh, requirements and in the bureaucracy that I had been encountering in Connecticut. And unfortunately, it came to be true. Um, a lot of proscriptive things come down. There is no, uh, I've never been asked by anyone uh, my opinion on many of the things that I've been told I have to do. Even mm -hmm. though I'm a Research Corp employee, I have been directed to follow all the bureaucratic procedures of the institution without any input from me at all. Mm -hmm. So I think that there is a big uh, chasm there between 
individuals within the university and the management uh, make decisions in a vacuum. Okay. Okay. Well, Jerry, I I'm very appreciative that you took the time to answer my questions, and uh, thank you very much. Well, I hope it's helpful, Howard. Good okay. luck to you. Thank Thanks. you.